0: Guys, this is episode 31 of the 808s and Bars podcast, and yeah, I can Oh, you got it right this five. time, 31. Past 10. Uh, pretty pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, so we are very excited to have uh, Gary Suarez on the podcast today one of our favorite music writers um and your twitter handle is NoYoKono, which i'm assuming is what what is that term called is an anagram on yoko ono or is that just something i have no idea what it means what is it gary
1: excellent question
0: what's the answer is it just <laughs> just going to leave that up for interpretation
1: excellent question <laughs>
0: As you can see, Gary brings a lot of mystery to the podcast, Um, but we wanted to have Gary on for a few months now, uh, mainly because of the topic that we're going to talk about second, but uh, up top, we're going to talk a little bit about the new J. Cole single that came out last week, uh, Middle Child, it was called. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, Glock Lesnar posted a screenshot of this. I thought it was pretty funny. But uh, on Twitter, like during the trending topic, it said J. Cole was trending and it said J. Cole releases new mid. Just that was it. That was the headline. J. "J. Cole releases new mid because it cut off and LOL. (laughs) Tell us
2: how you really feel.
0: Uh, Obviously... (laughs) um, you know, he's someone that we have discussed a little bit on the podcast before, but we haven't really done anything in terms of, like, our – I feel like our full-fledged opinions on him. So just, you know, up top, especially because, Gary, you are the guest, uh, what did you think of J. Cole's new single, Middle Child? And uh, what do you think about J. Cole in general? I guess we can could, we could talk about a little bit after you, you give your thoughts on his new single. Sure.
1: I mean, I, I think that the new single is, is... – Nothing particularly special, Um, but as we know, J. Cole fans, being J. Cole fans, he does as something truly unique and wondrous. Um, (laughs) So that's what it is. It's another unique and wondrous entry into the J. Cole discography. uh, If you are a J. Cole fan. Yeah. If you are a thinking, critical, listening human being who doesn't ascribe to fandoms, uh, then you know that it's just uh, another rap song that came out in a given week. And yep. you nowhere near as good as most of what's been out there. It's not a particularly good song by J. Cole standards, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I've, uh, I'm have I a huge fan, but I am a longtime listener as a music critic, particularly writing about hip-hop uh, for is many hundreds of years as I have now, <laughs> I can say that, you know, Cole has done better work and he continues to coast uh, based on a radical fandom who uh, frightened me.
0: Yeah, they're definitely scary people. <laughs> they're very, very passionate about J. Cole. <laughs> um, every time he releases a song, that, that there is kind of this reactionary... Uh, way of his fan base where it's like this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and i think that's something that has turned a lot of people off now when you say you think that he's released and i i tend to agree i don't even think it's good by j cole standards um and uh when you talk about his previous music what's some what's some stuff that you maybe have enjoyed a little bit more than this by him what do you think would be I, i don't know if you necessarily would call them good songs but better songs
1: I mean I think a lot of what he did on Born Sinner which is a flawed album in a lot of ways especially with the opening track basically being uh, a great example of this truly uh you know as as they try to say this this truly aware and woke rapper uh using homophobic yes. slur like
2: right yes. off the jump yeah. like yeah. right it, off the jump it, like that song is that yeah that song yeah. is edgy to be like Edgy, and it's not uh, no. it's well thought out, and it's not which smart, is a and, great in, way to categorize it, way. It, not just
1: Cole's music, but Cole's fandom. You know, and I, I speak to I speak to this because I think it's just this is just characteristic, and it's not unique to them. It's characteristic of stand behavior, which has become such a ridiculous issue, particularly the online age where it's like, of course Cole fans are jumping out and saying Middle Child is the next thing since sliced bread. They're over here trying to pretend that a compilation with a few people on it that Cole hasn't worked with before is a fucking revolution. Uh, And it's just another compilation. Like, There's more interesting people on DJ K-Slay's new take uh, than who came in for Revenge of the Dreamers 3.
0: And... To, I mean, it is, it's also the third installment of a series that wasn't even that good to begin with. I mean, the, it, it, if you listen to the first two, they're very just yeah. middle of the road. Out There's nothing that stands out about them. That's, that's... Everyone's talking about this rap camp thing, but
2: it's not like the people coming into this camp. Or guys even people really want to hear. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, but I, I no. would say
0: the majority of the population don't know. But like, like he, don't know a lot of people that they they even invited. Yeah,
2: yeah. But e- even going like, even going from just like rap fans on the internet, right? Like, there's not a lot of rap fans on the internet that think JID is really that good, or Baz, or uh, I think I saw. Um, I think I saw.
0: Yeah, uh, there, uh, there's Frick a ton. There, there were too, a ton of people.
2: Now, is that, now is I that think. True?
0: What we we have said before? I don't know if we've brought it up on the podcast before.
2: I mean, Rick Ross is the most compelling rapper they, that they I mean, saw the at those. I mean, sessions.
0: Kenny Beats was there. Saba's a the guy I really liked. He was there. There are a ton of people that were invited. I'm 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 not going to say that they're you know they don't have any talent. Um, but I think I've always th- thought that J. Cole is better. And and I saw Jason say this on Twitter too. He, he's better at marketing than he is at, at anything else. I think that. From a marketing standpoint, what he's done now with this new Revenge of the Dreamers project, hyping it up by inviting basically half the industry to the studio sessions so that everyone was posting on social media about it. Um, and then in addition to that, also, uh, you know, in the past, I remember, I can't remember which album, might have been Force Hills Drive or For uh, Your Eyes Only, but he drove around and he played the album for fans to random fans. Yeah, and I mean that I, was for his whole I drive. Yeah, credit. like I think he comes up with unique ways to kind of like connect with his fans and promote his music. But when I listen to the music, I think that there is more thought that actually goes into the promotion of it than the actual product that we end up hearing. Um, so, Gary,
2: I don't know about how you. I don't know what you think, but I actually think he's a better producer than he is. Uh,
1: what do you? I think? Uh, I don't think he's particularly great on either end don't think he's a particularly great I't I don't think he's a particularly great, a, a particularly <laughs> great <fair>. marketer either <laughs> you know if he was a great marketer, then Dreamville would be a far more uh, respected imprint, and the artist would be far more recognizable uh,
0: i agree yeah. I, I do agree with that, but I also think that up until recently, everyone on there hasn't been marketable so like Jimmy, I totally
1: Jimmy. disagree with that I mean think- Boz is Boz is a great example of an artist who uh, could would do really well if he wasn't on Dreamville.
0: Oh, you know? I've always thought he sucks. So See, never, I, <laughs> that's well, just, I, well, never that's really, just
1: your opinion. Yeah, man. no,
0: for sure. But I, I never even saw the commercial appeal of a guy like Boz. I always <laughs> took him to be a little bit more like what, what people always say about J Cole is kind of how I have personally felt about Boston. I mean, Boz, now, maybe that's skewed my opinion a little bit uh, but I didn't I would never think of him to be even a, a commercially successful artist.
1: yeah I think if you if you gave him the right the right team, he could do that but he got he's on Dreamville so basically his chance is uh, to try to get some coal runoff by opening some shows you know and that's not fair. It's not fair for these guys you know the I, I've said before that the benefit of signing to a label, like Dreamville or to OVO sound is to be able to put out albums, just to be able to put out albums through a major label deal and have a little bit of that clout behind it. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get much in the way of substantial promotion. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get a release that uh, puts you somewhere, you know, you know, for every party next door, there's, I don't know, name somebody who's on Dreamville, <laughs>
2: The re the re and even even party, even party is well below. Fighting next door should be
1: playing, not that I think
2: playing sports arenas, he should be playing
1: arenas. He sells out theaters, yeah, legitimately. That's great. Yeah, he's yeah. got there, he's selling out theaters. It took three albums, but he's selling out theaters, and that's fantastic. But like these artists get to put out these albums, but they don't get anywhere near the push. Because they're signed to vanity imprints, and that's what Dreamville is. Dreamville a is bit, a vanity living in the
0: imprint. Sh- li- living in the shadow of, of the main artists, essentially.
1: I mean, that's that's the that's the gig. Is like how many how many weed carriers over the years have been signed <laughs> to historic imprints? You know, like we talk about Rockefeller Records, like it was fucking you know this amazing house of talent. But like you know, beyond a handful of records, you know, you know how many of you owned the Young Guns record on vinyl? I do, but I got it used. <laughs> you know, I didn't even like... know it
0: got pressed on vinyl. Right right, <laughs> right, right,
2: right. I mean, well, well, that I mean, tough love. I'm, I will say, but the in terms of the non-J and non-Kanye and non-Cameron, we'll go with those three record uh, artists. Tough love might ah, be the you best. Were, you are
1: underselling Beanie Siegel in an embarrassing way, sir. So.
2: Uh, but, but, okay, I think Beans lyrically in terms of talent is the second best rapper in rock, but was the truth or the reason or the coming better than Tough Love? (laughs) I'm not, and I'm not not trying, and I'm not, and I don't, and I don't mean
1: to, and to (laughs) to be fair, I'm not trying to disparage (laughs) Tough Love, but I'm just saying it's about the way in which an artist gets that attention. You know, when somebody signs a deal underneath a more popular artist, they operate, both with a wet artist clout, but also in the shadow of that artist, you know, and it just, the way it is, you know, you're not being, you're not being put out there on your merits. You're putting out, you're being put out there because you have something, you know, it's the same. Like I think about McConan a lot because McConan to me was somebody who never should have been signed to OVO sound. Uh, he was way, it was, and is way too talented, way too unique and special a, a voice in an artist to be basically under an imprint that basically exists for the purpose of churning out, you know, songwriting for Drake records, you know, (laughs) it's, and so I feel like it's great for him now that he's gotten out of that. It's taken some time and he's come back. His new single spending is probably the best rap song I've heard all year. Um, Oh, it is January. So, but nonetheless, I think that these deals put these artists in, a place of disadvantage. They get to put out a record. They get a little bit of recognition, but the truth is, is that their potential is forever stuck behind these bigger names unless something extraordinary happens.
0: Yeah, and I guess, I guess the, the, uh, I I wouldn't even say it's the exception to the rule because if you think about even with these, you know, the ASAP mobs, you know, kind of Rocky has always been the most commercially successful. Ferg has had his moments, his tracks. um, And then as far as
2: those. Ferg has been yes. in my
0: mind. Ferg has been in rock, yes. but I but mean, that's been the person. I, I, mean, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah like, I mean, I think, I think Ferg's had like two or three songs, maybe, but I, I would say more people know who ASAP Rocky is than than uh, ASAP Ferg. Uh,
1: I yeah. Uh, I mean, I I'm not going to pull out. I'm not going to pull out the Billboard <S laughs> charts because he's yeah. on Twitter, and that's not what I'm here for. But like, yeah, like other than Ferg, who broke out, who broke out, you know. They really tried to push a lot of the other guys. You know, they had them signed to the deals. The ASAP That's mob was a thing. No. I went to I went to shows. I went to showcases where these guys were on, and it's like they didn't have the ability to break out from that pack. The fact that there were two people named ASAP who got moments in the in the sun got got time to shine. You know, basically meant that to the debt that was to the detriment of everybody else who was part of that crew. The point where some of those guys sometimes now put out records, they don't have the word ASAP in their
2: names anymore.
1: Yeah. You know? And like,
2: yeah, I mean, I always <laughs> thought NAST could have done something. I mean, I think Nas is, a, is, is good. And I've always wondered what, where would he be if he didn't have an ASAP name? He didn't have, I an believe ASAP recently next he didn't something so I, without yeah. it. Right.
1: Yeah. I think it's i i don't know i don't have to be honest i'm not i haven't kept up with him as much as i ought to but the the I, i'd like to just you know kind of get back to you know this idea of the the rap camp is something special as this sort of thing is something special when it's like i i'm not sure if you guys are aware but def jam uh is about to put out a compilation uh, it's going to come out in march that is essentially its own rap camp and it's based on all these new freshman signings that they've done in the past you know, 12 months or so. Um, a, a, lot of this, a lot of folks who are not names oh, okay. that are hugely uh, on anyone's radar right now. A few of them have released some singles on Def Jam. Pretty much all of them have released songs separately. Uh, but they've done their own version of it, and it's, there's something they're going to put a big push behind it. Uh, and it's been announced. It just is coming out in March. And so, like, to me, that is a pool of talent, a kind of a, a national array of artists who they put some time with, they put together in what they're basically treating as a rap camp. And I think that the results of that are going to be way more interesting than the sort of kind of half-assed stunt casting that Revenge of the Dreamers 3 is.
0: And and, and I think that this, this track seems to be the first track from... This new project, Revenge of the Dreamers. So at least it seems that way. It's possible that Cole is coming out with this, uh, a uh, solo project, but it seems like a really weird song to. And this is no. I, I, I think, think this a, is for it's the Dreamers. Yeah, I think this is for the for, for a yeah. single. Um, first off, it's a solo track by him on a col- compilation record. I I get it. He is the biggest name on there. Put it out, whatever. Da da da. But it's not necessarily something that you're gonna hear at the club. It's not necessarily something. Uh, you know, I don't think that we'll be, we'll be even talking about a month, a week from now. Let's be honest. It kind of, kind of came and went. Um, and then in addition to that, I, one of my biggest things anytime that I hear a song like Middle Child is like every time that there is a concept record or whatever it is that is about the rap game, I always just find it to be incredibly boring. Like, I don't think like I can't remember the last time that a song came out that was about the rap game that i genuinely enjoyed and i think it's just kind of an overplayed concept like
2: yeah i mean this is a good segue into what we're gonna ask gary next about just like the industry in general it's like i don't want to hear stuff about uh the rap game from the rappers because it's like they're not listening to everything or they're not they don't know they know what their own career is they're not they don't know what else is going on right and like, so I don't find that. I think there's a certain tone
1: deafness to Cole of late in particular. And I, I, I think, Jason, I think you're, you're right in kind, of, in kind of pointing out that maybe they're not some of these artists aren't necessarily the best uh, spokesman to talk about how things work. You know, Cole has used his last two prominent appearances, Middle Child and his feature on 21 Savage's album to, you know, to put some to name drop essentially to name drop younger popular problematic artists on middle child is Kodak Black who we know is and trial who's paying rape. attention is on yes. trial for some pretty heinous shit. Yeah. Uh, he, on 21 Savage's album, he's out here basically six expressing nine, yes. six, nine sympathies. And it's just like, Get the fuck out of the studio. Get into the real world. Recognize that there are people who listen to your music who aren't fans of these people. Stop pandering to a younger generation that may not fuck with you. Uh, Because the truth is, J. Cole has been around for a bit. And it's no guarantee that he's going to maintain a younger audience. He may keep his current audience... Sideline story like he's came out in ten, 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 10 years by since warm up yeah. by rap standards. He's, he's a an vet old motherfucker. He's a yeah. vet.
0: And uh kind of going off of your, your last point, I mean he did he did this a little bit on the KOD album as well. You know, he's talking mm-hmm. the last song ad- well, first off, the whole album is addressing the rap game, obviously. Um and then the last songs, particularly he's talking to an unknown artist. You can assume who it was. Lil Pump, Lil Yachty, whoever he is referring to on that last part.
2: I he think was Pump because he did the interview thing. with Pump. It's, it's, at, he's, he's clearly
0: like, trying to understand yeah, 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 yeah. younger artists more. Um, but also there is, and like, I'm not doubting the fact that he might be a genuine dude and he, tr- he wants to try to make this connection with like a low pump or whoever to maybe try to understand his perspective a little bit more. That interview they did was incredibly awkward. Um, I watched it. It was like an hour long. And I remember it It seemed yeah, really they don't forced. they not have anything like, in common. Cole like kept it. trying to it, like, compliment <laughs> him. Like he's a, he's a really yeah. smart guy. And I'm like, like, and no offense to Lil Pump, but, like, I don't think Lil Pump even says he's a smart guy. Like, he's kind of going based on this, like, whole goofy kind of idiot persona, which is, it can be charming to some, but but I I think that what you said about, like, the more recently with the tone deafness is, like, yeah, like, it's the same thing from the Born Sinner intro. It's, like, isn't this guy supposed to be, like, Mr. Woke? And, like, I I understand him trying to, like, connect, like, the, you know, we come from trauma, we come from xyz there is it's a much larger issue and and we don't have all the time in the world to talk about it but at the same time it's like you know these are people that have done things recently that have affected people in a very negative way did the same thing with xxx tentacion before he passed away after he passed away so um yeah for for a guy that claims to be like super woke i just think that he doesn't really think all that much about a lot of the things that that he says and how how it might affect like you said his fan base because like his fans are, like, think he's God. Like, there was a tweet that I saw that literally was like, J. Cole's better than Kendrick, J. Cole's better than Drake, J. J. Cole's better than Travis Scott. Like, these tweets come out every time, of course, that he releases a record, but, like, this is a group of people that look to a guy for, you know, fucking their, not opinions, but, you know, their takes on the world and...
2: If I were to scale J. Cole and Travis Scott, I think the scale would break. So, I mean, I, I can't even. The, the,
1: the root of, of standing <laughs> is insecurity. That is where it comes from. Pay How's attention so? to the fucking... Pay attention to the Eminem song of the same name. It comes from a personal insecurity. The reason why people go over the top when an artist like J. Cole, if they happen to be... Or, or Nicki Minaj or Drake or whomever they've chosen to stand for it comes from a place of defensiveness and insecurity they can't have an artist who's just okay they can't be just behind that that's not good enough they have to be superlative they have to be the best at it otherwise they've put their energies behind somebody who isn't worth putting their energy behind and so that's why you see these like these things that are just clearly for Twitter engagement or for starting conversations, but it comes from its root. It's, it's, it's foundation is insecurity. And I think that's what happens uh, with, with someone like with Jay Cole is that you have a fan base that puffs him up to the point where he feels like he can say whatever and he's largely insulated. And for an outsider's perspective or somebody who hasn't, you know, drank the Dreamville Kool-Aid. It's just like, oh no, that's not cool. We all heard planes. We know that's just gross. You're you're a gross (laughs) man. You're a gross human being.
0: Yeah. That lot that line still gives me nightmares
1: about (laughs) foot in your mouth. Like like how can you come off of like a Jeremiah track and come off the gross one as the (laughs) feature? I want to know how that shit works, J. Cole. You know, That's really fucking amazing.
0: amazing. The, the thing you said about the insecurity thing is, it, I always think His... it's the one tweet, uh, which has now become infamous and and parodied. And you know, it takes a certain amount of intelligence to really <laughs> vibe with Jay Cole's music. And it's like, not nah, not really at all. Like, first off, like, yeah, I'm like, not nah, maybe for you. I, 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 I will admit it, and I've admitted it before. When I was in college, now 20 years old. I did think J. Cole was like the gra- the greatest thing since sliced bread. I loved the warm up when it came out. I was like, oh, this guy's great. I like Friday Night Lights. I've soured on him a bit over the years, mostly because I think Kendrick Lamar uh, does everything that J. Cole does, but better uh, in almost every single way. But at the same time, I definitely was that pretentious backpack lyrical, you know, fucking think I'm better than the other person kind of, uh, rat fan at one point and I try to give these kids the benefit of the doubt like when I see it's like a kid tweeting it but like when you're like a 20 something year old like aren't we past that age of our like you know age where like we just act as if fucking like you said it's, it comes back to this insecurity where it's like like, everything this artist touches gold. It's like, nah, not everything has to be fucking amazing. Like, there can be middle-of-the-road shit. There can be bad shit. And you, as a fan, like, you can critique them. Like, they're not above it. Like, I mean, other than Jason w- with Future. Um, no, I'm kidding.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 You're right. See, no, but even I admit, even I admit, Evo's not good. Even I admit, Evo's not good. Even I admit, like, I love Bob Dylan. Even I admit, Dylan had a, like, Ten plus year stretch in his catalog where he wasn't good, you know what I mean? So I like I have yeah. I mean it was after bringing out the dead, bringing out the dead, uh, bringing home with me. Sorry, not bringing out the dead. To um, I believe blood on the tracks. He wasn't good, right? So like you can admit that. But still, uh, consider an artist
0: to be, uh you know, very good. But I, I think the, the difference from so it's not, yeah. Like I mean, I mean, and, and uh and a J. Cole would be like, uh... <laughs> no, kidding,
2: yeah. I was just, I was just using, yeah. yeah no, 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 no. I was, just, I wasn't, I wasn't comparing. I wasn't. No, no, no. I wasn't comparing. Was yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I wasn't comparing them. I was just, I was, just, no, I, no, what, was I was just. No, no. Dylan was the first artist that came to my mind for some reason.
0: Tractors with Bob Dylan nowadays are trying to be like, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look, look, look at cool I am. Whereas the detractors with J. Cole, and there are a ton of them, I think they only make that stand more, like, impenetrable. Like, they make people want to love that person even more because of, like, this is my artist. This is my guy. I want to protect him from these people who might not necessarily like his music. So I have to come up with a reason, like, they, they're just not intelligent enough. They're not as smart as me. <laughs> so I'm really smart, so I get this music. But you're a fucking idiot because you don't like it kind of thing.
2: Let me let me amend a, let me amend a mistake I just made. He he made bringing it all back home before sixty one revisited and blonde on blonde. I thought bringing it how back, do, how bringing it all back do. home was after those two. So sorry, it was it was blonde on blonde. See, and yeah, then I, mid, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to correct so, you. Yeah, my bad. That's <laughs> that
0: you... very nice of you. No, no,
2: no. I I because I know the three. I, I know those three were made back-to-back-to-back, back back, but I always forget the order. So You're, I, you're I, talking I, to I, a guy who I just typed wrote in it right quick. 2,500
1: words about one of Van Morrison's least-enjoyed albums, saying that it's his best album. So uh, I know a little bit of something about
0: catalogs. <laughs> Deep cuts. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, one thing before we move <laughs> yeah. on from the whole J. Cole thing, uh, and we'll see how we feel about you know whenever this Revenge of the Dreamers project comes out, uh, how we feel about it. But right now, I, I think someone really summed it up really well the other night. I was out uh, with someone, Linksy Beans on Twitter as his handle. He's, he's a funny guy, and he said one. He's like he he doesn't dislike Jake. He kind of feels he feels mid as. And by the way, um, I believe it was I ran a poll, which was what did you think of the new Jake Cole? uh song 26 percent said fire 49 percent said it was mid 25 percent said it was trash so about quarter quarter half that's kind of how i think most of the listeners of the podcast feel about j cole most you know the general population on twitter uh but on to you know kind of what we were talking about the other night was um you know he said my biggest problem with j cole was when not not the music necessarily is when i talk to his fans i'm like yeah, why do you like J Cole? They're like, well, he like he went to college. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, who gives a fuck about whether this guy went to college or not? Like, <laughs> does that make his music any better? Because there are plenty of—I would say the majority of good musicians never went to college, or yeah, and
2: and that's what that's like. What that's what criticism has kind of come like the become personal story meaning, versus the right? actual I mean, output. It's, it's... Yeah
0: which comes back to the marketing end where it's like j cole really markets himself as like i'm just like you i'm just a guy who who is who likes rap and i'm a rapper now and i'm famous and i've made it and he's made it beyond i mean credit to him he's made it fucking beyond where i ever thought he could be when the warm-up dropped and you know he's made a very nice career for himself he's probably in the top 10 most popular rappers at least from this decade which is unbelievable but uh
2: yeah. Like I mean, he's sold, he sold, a, sold a lot of records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I think that uh, that that loyal fan base can, can turn people off um, from, from his music. And it certainly turned me off over the years. Although I will say I do still enjoy most of not his most previous album, but for your eyes only. I thought there were really good songs on there, but that was that was it as far as his yeah. albums go.
1: I liked I liked Fear Eyes only better when it was called Elmatic, but that's just
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot I mean, a, a lot of J. Cole's music <laughs> is that way though. I liked it better when was a Kendrick
2: album. I'm thinking about it now. I now that you just said that, Gary, I'm thinking about it and like, wait, that album is definitely clearly him trying to go back to a specific time in a specific neighborhood, kinda like um, Nazir did all that actually wolf.
0: living in the neighborhood when he made him. which you can tell. Obviously. Right. right. Um, and I've said, I think the last right, few right. projects have been pretty much just watered down versions of Kendrick projects. But, um, so as we move on here, the reason, one of the major reasons we wanted to have Gary on was because kind of what we've been discussing a little bit. Um, the state of music journalism in 2019, specifically hip-hop journalism. So, Gary, I know you've been a vocal proponent on Twitter specifically of giving more coverage to independent musicians and maybe some lesser-known artists that aren't signed to major labels. Um, One of the things that you said last year, at the end of the year, like in December, you said, I think that we should not include any major label artists on these lists. That was one thing that I remember you saying. There was also a time where uh, I believe you said uh, that th- there's pretty much a-, a lack of diversity of thought when it comes to a lot of these year-end lists. So, so like, specifically, um, kind of, you know, like, working off that point, like, why do you... First off, why do you think that is? Why do you think, like, every year-end list specifically was very similar in 2018. And why do you think they continue to be?
1: 2018 was, uh, was a, was a bizarre year for hip hop. And the reason why was that everybody or just about everybody tried to get something in there, tried to cram something in there. And so you pretty much had what I think is, is a rarity of, of so many huge talents put something out there into the world that wasn't just a single or wasn't just a feature, but was an album. And I'm including things like the Black Panther soundtrack, you know, I- I'm, and what happens is you create this massive amount of, of music and then week to week, we have to jump between those records you know, okay. Well, now it's now it's this one. Now it's this one. You know, and then every Migo is getting his own solo album. And <laughs> you know, it what it creates it for a year end perspective, which year end list making is always problematic because it is consensus driven, and that's just the nature of the beast. But when you create a situation like that, where it's like, well, I can't leave that record off. Well, I can't leave that record off. I can't not have that record. Then you. have Deprived the conversation of oxygen because there were so many great rap records that came out last year that uh either weren't on major labels some even that were on major labels but just weren't given a lot of uh a lot of attention or a lot of love and you're sitting there going where do i put the carters and where do i put scorpion and where do I put Queen? Or did and if you're, on. and so when you get there and you've got 20 spots to fill, you know, what? Do, where does that leave anything interesting? You know, I was pleased to see the Armand Hammer record get a lot of year end love across some discerning sites, but like, we get one of those. We get one record where some people were doing some smart shit, doing something interesting, like.
2: Yeah, it was just like Harmon Hammer, like Greedo, and then Draco. Yeah, yeah. and Greedo is Greedo was
1: largely, you know, people got put on, and and I almost feel like in some cases Greedo ended up on some of these lists as a look. I think he's very deserving, and he should have been on these lists, but I don't know necessarily whether uh, how much of it has to do with you know his story. Versus how they really feel about his
0: music, but I'm going to leave that one alone for now. Because what, of what's happening in his personal life, going to prison. And- I mean,
1: that's the thing. It's a, it's, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a fucking tragedy, is what it is. But absolutely, you know, it's like, are these people going to care about him, or is it going to be like the way that people talk about Bobby Shmurda, where they basically treat him like a fucking meme? You know, right? No, while the while the fingers. guy fucking languishes in, in Rikers, you know,
0: for doing nothing.
1: <laughs> uh, so so so.
2: Right. I mean, and, and, and meanwhile, A Song Like Computers is one of the best singles, one of the best rap singles to come out, out of New York. It's one of the best rap singles to come out mm-hmm. you know, um, in the past like four years, four or five years. So uh, it's like, that is. Are you seriously paying attention to the music or is this like, is Greedo your pariah or is Body yes, your pariah? Because I think God Love was a great album, honestly. And l- like, it, it, it's 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 twenty tracks. It's twenty. It's like it's so prolific. It's twenty tracks of somebody who is being sent away, and he is like, this is his last thing to give us. And it's almost in a way like kind of like um, mm. uh, a Mac Machiave- like the last Machiavelli album. And so it's it, it's funny because like he <laughs> disrespected Tupac, but like God level kind of reminds me a little bit of something that Tupac would have made. So, um, but yeah, and and I just I I wonder like where. I wonder, like, what these... Well, you, uh, well, you know what they're thinking. thinking. You know what right? they're thinking. Look at how what many they're...
1: of them jumped at the opportunity to fly to fucking Wyoming to be in the same cornfield as Kanye West. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Even though every other publication did it.
1: It's like there was zero special about it. It was purely ego-driven. It was. It was a great example of just how... Just how utterly boring this this uh this field has become i mean i've been writing about music for a very long time you know and it's it's embarrassing to see that the level of discourse at this point is is so you know so frenetic that it just becomes like you know one week we we're yelling at kanye for meeting with donald trump you know and then the next week we're like, yes, we'll fly find your private jet to go to the middle of fucking nowhere to listen to your record in a field. And, and that's, that's, that's good journalism.
0: Right. And the hype has kind of, especially the hype and the celebrity and everything and all of all of, you know, the, the tabloid element of it has kind of surpassed the actual music that's being created too, because let's be honest. I mean, those were none of those were even close to the best projects he's ever made in his career. Um
2: Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't even be on any like the the only good. Well, I guess the Tiana Terra album is really good too, but they
0: butchered well, that regardless one. Regardless of how we so feel even, about like, the album, she doesn't like it, like, so I won't even kinda like, like, like. I think anyone would say no. None of those albums are up there with even his best work. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but I was saying like even like throughout the e- throughout
2: twenty eighteen, like I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even put any. Well, you did on put any Daytona on your list. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, Daytona. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah,
2: no, That's but I was fine. saying, but Daytona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did, like, yeah, because I said the only two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously Daytona, but other than Daytona, I wouldn't but really yeah, like, put any. Kind of, them of what on,
0: Gary's on saying list. here is like you know, it, 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 it's everything about music journalism nowadays is completely you know driven by clicks it's uh you know uh driven by celebrity um i mean i remember around the time the drake album was coming out you couldn't even fucking go on spotify without the entire homepage being drake um and this is a guy who fucking has a deal with apple music he, i can't avoid him on spotify every fucking article on every fucking website my whole Twitter feed was Drake, 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 Drake. And the guy, let's be honest, he released a collection of songs. Right? Barely even an album. Like, the, the, there isn't anything that really holds that that project together to be, like, anything more than a playlist or a fucking library of songs he just wanted to release.
1: what What Scorpion did was take what Future did the year before and make it... A double album, as opposed to two separate albums, just just lumped two, them together. Two separate into one. albums, yeah. Okay, here yeah. The...
2: it's funny because I no you take go ahead. Sorry, I mean I I like disc two, but Hendrix is like two times better than disc two a Scorpion, so it's like Drake is still chasing after Future's waves. And he's just doing it really poorly. But the the rationale <laughs> behind like... why
1: when Drake drops an album, it's an event, and why so many sites follow him breathlessly, you know, you know, we I know more about Drake than any human being should know about Drake. <laughs> and, and that extends to basically to everyone. You know, it it the the the, the click based economy is a reality. We see this, you know, as, as as just the, the status quo, you know, the monetization of those clicks is so critical. And when in the volatile state that this industry is in, and we saw from, you know, last week with the, you know, the layoffs Huffington of bu- HuffPost and BuzzFeed and, yeah. and, and you know, we, we've seen this happen. We know how how – so we know the why. We know why Drake gets all this coverage because those articles – Those pieces, the tabloid stuff, critical stuff, the best stuff and the worst stuff, the best writing and the worst writing gets them views. And they need those views because a lot of these sites are still very much operating on versions of banner ads or other forms. Yeah. Other forms of branded content. of, Of branded web based advertising. The point being is that they need to do this. So we understand that they need to do this because of the nature of, of the beast but as as a as somebody who cares about criticism as somebody who cares about journalism it's heartbreaking to see these sort this this approach to it just how, how it's become like it's easy to just be cynical about it and say that you know oh well you know you know it's all sucks now and it's just like the problem is is that we're just we're stuck where I think from my perspective is we're stuck on these artists. We can't shake them off of us. They're like, they're like fucking fleas on (laughs) our bodies. You know, we, and we do this at the detriment of discovery. You know, I commend, you know, pitchfork for, for creating levels, for making a vertical dedicated to hip hop, which compels readers to pay attention to something that isn't just the latest thing Nicki Minaj sat on. Like, I think it's important that we understand what's happening across the breadth of this, of this genre, because hip hop is not and and rap, it's not just one thing anymore. It's not a monolith. You know, it is scenes. It is regional scenes. It is individuals. It's so extraordinary. What's there. But the problem is, is the way that the, industry is set up and the way that these these publications are set up is to promote the living shit out of the same five people regardless of whether they're doing anything
0: yeah and coming up i mean i think the one thing that i would say first off i totally agree about levels I think they do some great profiles like you said talking about you know different. i mean i remember reading this thing about jay critch who i didn't even know who he was i believe alphonse uh wrote it and it was fantastic. It was it was good to see, you know, that there is a publication that is like you said covering things that aren't the same five fucking artists. But kind of, you know, coming back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, celebrity fandom. Like everything is obviously, you know, click driven, it's all about this and that like I feel like the one thing that I I've seen probably regurgitated 40 times in an article is Let's rank Kanye's albums again. <laughs> and like don't get me wrong, we're a little bit because <laughs> we've done things like that on here. You got to have people listen to the podcast.
2: Our <laughs> name is called 808s and Bars. Like obviously, like obviously,
0: but, niggas like Kanye, but, but like we like right. <laughs> obviously me and you like Kanye, but, but, but it's is, still we're how still many tired. We're going to regurgitate the same content that you're just stealing from Twitter. Like Twitter and Reddit and all of these places, like, uh, you know, I've seen some publications, I'm not going to name names, literally just take things directly from Reddit and just no. post them. No. On you, should to- name
1: you should name names. You should name names.
0: I'm not going to name names because I, I, I know you're a writer and I don't want I'm sure you've written for these publications before. Um, but uh, fuck it. Complex does this all the time where they literally just go on and they take posts from Reddit without giving any credit to Reddit. Or sometimes they'll say, you know, heard through Reddit and essentially just repost the same old video or whether, you know, we're coming up with this idea to rank uh, Kanye albums or whatever. And it's it's all become very, like, I almost avoid it at this point. Like, I feel like I don't follow... Jur- music journalism, as much as I used to, because it all has become just the same old recycled garbage. Now, the one you pointed out, I think Levels does a great job. I like, I like uh, Passion, Passion Weiss. I think they, I think uh, Jeff and them do a great job. Craig at uh, with New York Magazine Vulture. I, I I read a lot of your stuff. Paul Thompson. There are plenty of writers out there, and there are plenty of publications that are giving a voice to these people. Um, but you know. When are we just gonna stop? When are we? When is it gonna get to the point where we've do- we've ranked Kanye's albums enough? <laughs> like that is one thing we haven't done on this podcast, and I don't ever plan on doing it because one thing it's totally subjective, and like every Kanye album means something different to someone else. But at the same time, like it's just like I think I've I've heard this conversation so many times that I feel like I'm starting to go absolutely insane. <laughs>
1: what 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 my concern is about yeah. this is what what this this mode that we're operating in does for the younger generation of, of listeners and readers and potential future uh, writers uh, and future music, music critics, future music journalists, is that we're, we're basically setting a, we've been setting a a pretty bad example as an industry uh, by, being so driven by clicks that and producing low quality work uh, on a daily basis across sites that are deemed taste making or respect or or respected or, or what have you, uh, we end up with uh, the result: this sort of bizarre situation where these sites that depend so much on Drake and or they're they're basically just kind of dragging a corpse around. You know, they're just <laughs> lugging it behind them. This sort of idea these artists who in 10 years probably won't matter, you know, I mean, they'll matter in in a certain sense, but they're not going to matter in terms of, you know, the way that whatever's popular in 10 years is going to be, you know, I think what happened with SoundCloud rap and the resistance to these young tattooed, you know, face tatted, you know, drug abusing kids was uh, the, the, the negative reaction that came from that was built out of a conservatism that we have built into our existing journalistic structure. Absolutely. It, took, it took time before we actually realized that one, the, the popularity of these artists, the genuine popularity of these artists that was generating. And yeah, I'm going to just leave alone kind of how a you know, SoundCloud rapper becomes popular and how, you know, how labels and, and, and money makes uh, plays into that. But it's the fact that they created fan bases for, for previously, unknown artists and created a movement out of that, that we have a name for it. And we showed such disdain for it until it became impossible, impossible not to cover these artists. So, you know, we make fun of a Lil Pump, but it just like, you know, I can't say that somebody like Lil Pump, you know, came to this scene any more or less fully formed than, you know, a lot of our favorite, you know, golden age rappers did. You know, it just did the way that this industry works is that we kind of made fun of 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 them until it became impossible not to start fucking with them.
0: I think Blueface is kind of the the latest example of this, where it was like it becomes, you know, this very divisive meme where it's like you either love or you hate Blueface. And then how you're letting this become popular and da da da. And now Blueface is everywhere. And he has, you know, a song on the the Billboard charts finally, and da yeah. da da. But I didn't even hear about Blue Blueface until I started seeing people tweeting about it. And they, they do you think? I, I I guess kind of what I'm gonna yeah. out there to you and Jason is: Do you think that uh, that the the that social media has become such a monster <laughs> that it's impossible to get ahead of this, or is it literally because they're specifically ignoring these things? Like, do you think that uh, a complex or whoever is covering it is? intentionally ignoring these artists until they become, or do you think it's just that like there are a hundred million artists out there and it's impossible to cover any of them before they get big? Have
2: you ever
1: been in one of these, these newsrooms, these one no, of these kind of content, these content places,
0: content farms. Yeah. These content farms.
1: If <laughs> you ever, if you've ever been inside of one of these places, it it, 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 the vibe is not great. You know, these are people who are working really hard at their jobs and their remit and their focus, whatever, like they're people working really hard at their jobs. You know, they're not going to catch everything as it comes up and they're not being instructed to. They're not being turned on to some stuff. So social media has allowed for the side conversation. And if you can with if you can handle the bandwidth of it. Then pretend, and you follow the right people. Then you might get turned on to somebody early, or relatively early, in the conversation, like a blue face or whatnot. So that way, when you get to the point where where uh, they're big enough that they're impossible to ignore, you have some kind of foundation to work with and some kind of understanding to work with. For but, sure you know uh, i don't i don't begrudge these people they have jobs and they're and they're doing the work and,
0: and oh absolutely i think yeah, that yeah. i and, and, and right.
1: I, a, I just i just think that they've been they've been given a raw deal they, absolutely haven't been, they, they haven't we been the We're they haven't been given the ability are pro but you know they haven't been given the they haven't been given the kind of mentorship that they need and the, and the ability to actually develop their voice uh in a lot of ways and i think that's unfortunate but you know the the truth is is that social media is where a lot of people live right now and as a result that's where you're going to likely get turned on to an artist and not necessarily by a, a, a blog you're not necessarily going to get turned on to an artist because you're more likely to get turned on because of a tweet you know or well, an, yeah, or, an or an instagram or an instagram an instagram post right. you know, you know than you are from reading any of these sites we just talked about and that's just yeah, the reality right. we're we're in a reactionary mode
0: when it comes to this stuff for sure. And I think everything we've talked about today kind of reflects that. Now, like, Jason, where do you get most of your music from? Like, Do you get it all from Twitter? Do you get it all from... Um, I get it all from Twitter, and I
2: deep dive on YouTube a lot. Uh, but mostly, I, I just, I see what the chatter is, and I and then yeah. I, go, I go listen, I go discover. Sada Baby came out, and I saw people sharing it, and I was like, okay, so I... Did you I fuck with that album? For this, And it, it was good. Yeah, it's good. It's like it's a little long. Nowadays. It's good
0: though, um, but yeah, that that that's kind of kind of yeah, proves yeah, the point is yeah. that uh, you know, uh, it, it, whereas ten years ago I was logging on to before I would go on Reddit, and I I discovered most of my new music through Reddit and Twitter. Um, before I would go on there, it was you know I was checking Two Dope Boys or or whatever blog complex or whatever blog. Was big ten years ago. I can't even remember half of them. Nah, right. I remember that that golden uh, golden blog era. I would listen to like everything. I think hot new hip hop kind of changed the direction of that. They would post a ton of stuff. Uh, but there's definitely less gatekeepers now and more kind of just like open information, like just throw thrown out your face. So we even like we have a hip hop podcast and we miss like people will come on here and like I didn't even know half of the albums Harold Bingo was talking about when he came on here. So it shows you that like. I'm not even on top of it, and we do we do this podcast at least once a week. But uh, I think before we, we move off of this, uh, Gary, who would you say – first off, who would you say we should read in terms of – other than you, obviously.
1: <laughs> You're pretty great. But, oh, no, oh uh, nobody. Nobody other than me. Just keep reading me. <laughs> Just keep
2: fi-
1: dropping those be,
0: clicks.
1: You'll be fine <laughs> if you keep reading me.
2: Open up multiple tabs. <laughs> Hey, I only wanted to. I only wanted to read one go. person on Bad Bunny, and that was Gary. I mean, I just, I, 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 and I tweeted that to him, and it's just like, well, I mean, Gary. I mean, obviously, Gary knows this. Gary's Latino, so I mean, I just like and Bad Bunny's a Latino artist, and he's and Latin trap um, is is a wave. I mean, and it's something that I, I I discovered through Gary, and I started to really enjoy it, and and you know the the contributions from Latina people and hip-hop uh haven't been Absolutely. uh said enough. I mean, you look at a list, you look at a list and, and I, I made a list of my uh, what I think are the top 15 rappers that and I forgot fault. to is pun on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Fault. Um, yeah. I, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I forgot and I had to redo it again and I said, oh, my bad. I forgot pun. I, I forgot mm. I forgot pun and I forgot Missy. So, I mean, wow. I would have put those two in there too. So, I mean, it like, um, so, I, when I when I, when Bad Bunny came out, I was just I was I was psyched to read what Gary had to say. So I mean, so, now, so, so yeah. to, answer,
1: to answer the question, it's just I, I'd actually would like to use this as an opportunity to talk about, you know, there are a lot of great you know Latinx writers right now who are doing, uh, who are doing great work on hip hop and are not being treated like they're part of the hip hop conversation because if they're writing about Spanish language artists, you know, whether it's Latin trap or reggaeton you know, or what have you, uh, they're, they're often treated as not part of hip hop, not part of that scene. It it requires a Drake feature before you can even be considered, you know, in this, which is, you know, absurd. Right. Like, so like that happened, you know, you've got like, Eddie (laughs) Capetta is a fantastic writer who's, uh, who's writing at a number of different places. Uh, but he does a a monthly column at Ramescla, uh, which is a terrific site. Uh, and there he's, uh, he's been kind of documenting this history of reggaeton and how it we interweaves with hip hop history, how it's such a part of hip hop history and the influence of a variety of different, you know, regional cultures and sounds as well. And it's a fantastic, well-researched, well-put-together thing. So he's somebody who I highly recommend people reading. Uh, Julissa Lopez is fantastic. You know, Isabel Herrera, like there's some, there's so many great, uh, you know, you know, Latinx writers right now who are writing about hip hop, not just Spanish language, but are writing about hip hop music. And so I think if I can make a case for it, it's, I think those people should really get some attention because they are less likely to be the ones writing uh, about what Drake had for breakfast yesterday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who's Drake's new 17 year old girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the re- it's,
1: were we going there the today? Why- <laughs> I
2: mean, we could. Yeah, we
0: don't have to go there. Okay. <laughs>
1: we'll just we'll just wait. We'll just wait twenty um, years and then it's, we can
2: look back. It's, it's like one we of the reasons. R. Kelly and be like, <laughs> "Oh man, we knew, we knew, we
1: knew, but you thing. know, we didn't want to. We didn't really want to go there, and like, we wouldn't we like that. Yeah. Man, we'll just wait and see. We'll just wait and see how that one turns out.
2: <laughs> it's it's one of the reasons why I'm excited to do MWE, which is music writer exercise, which is what you do every single February for the past five years. So like, tell us about that. Like what, tell us about like how you started it a little bit and, you know, give me some albums that you would recommend. I mean, I will say
1: that from what we've been talking about is that my concerns about music writing and music journalism, the state of music journalism has often led to me just grousing about it on Twitter. Or coming on to podcasts like yours and browsing <laughs> about it there, and it's a pretty shitty, smug position to be in at some point. We're just like, okay, we get it. Shit used to be better, or things could be better, but like, well, fuck you. Who cares? You know, you know. <laughs> and where I stand is that I, because the way that I approach this stuff is I treat this as 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 a craft. I, I try to be the best I can be when I'm writing this stuff. I try to write as well as I can. And I try to, you know, harness my voice and try different things and and do what I can. I care about writing as, as a craft. And I just so happens I've chosen an area that doesn't necessarily get, you know, a lot of love. So I realized, you know, about five years ago that just yelling about how bad this stuff is, uh, wasn't doing anything. So I decided, I came up with this idea. Uh, I was hardly the first person to say, let's tweet about albums, you know but i came up with this idea of uh, that i just pulled from having attended uh, writing workshops uh, over the years uh, and that was to basically create a, an online writing challenge where i'd say okay february the shortest month listen to one album a day that you've never listened to before and write one tweet about it that's it and it just do that Every day for 28 straight days. Find some time during Great your day. day, whether it's your commute, whether it's at home in the morning, whether it's when you're doing the dishes, whatever it is. Just find time to listen to an album that you haven't listened to before. You know, I've encouraged people to go back into classics. Because MWE coincides with Black History Month, I'm always, always insistent that people include artists of color and particularly women of color when they're putting together their lists and their stuff, because I think that, I think that, I think that to not do that mm-hmm. uh, would yeah. be a, a huge mistake and a, and a, and, a, and an extraordinary missed opportunity. I've found some extraordinary records, you know, that I was unfamiliar with um, through this process. I found some fantastic things. It's used me an opportunity as already a voracious listener to go through and discover stuff. But for the way that I I've set this up is that it's completely open you know, there's no real hard and fast rules beyond what I just said. You know, you know I have the guideline about it. You should include people of color, artists of color when you're, when, you're, when you're putting together your lists, you know, when you're deciding what to listen to. But beyond that, it's like, it's your call. If you've decided that you really want to listen to those Bob Dylan albums that you never got around to that people didn't like, this is a great opportunity for that. If you're unfamiliar with a lot of the golden age of hip hop, you know, beyond a few songs here and there, this is your opportunity to go back and listen to those albums. You know, the age of streaming has given us an extraordinary level of access. I wouldn't have been able to do this, this this project, you know, 10, 12 years ago. This thing wouldn't be viable. You know, but because of everybody has at least a free Spotify account. They can do this. And everyone likes to participate in shit. Everyone likes to feel part of a thing. You know, we use the hashtag MWE so that we can see what everyone else is doing, and we can signal to everybody else that we're taking part in this. Uh, I curate it. Basically, my role is just kind of to to cheerlead and champion those who are trying it out. You don't have to like the record. You can say that it was a piece of garbage, and you wish <laughs> that uh, that I never turned you on to this idea. Uh, it is, but it just it's it's writing this one thing, and, you know, it's it is a challenge. You know, it's challenges finding the time to listen. But my intent in all this is to make better listeners, more critical listeners and better writers out of people. So it doesn't matter whether you've, you know, been writing about music for years or whether you've just been thinking about maybe you'd be interested in writing that. Or if you're just somebody who really enjoys music and would like to try your hand at doing a little bit of writing in a pretty well, low pressure way.
0: Yeah, I, I have I haven't written about music since college and I definitely plan on doing it. So I'm glad that you brought it up on here. We encourage all of our listeners to participate. Friday is February. It's already fucking here. So.
2: Yeah, February 1st. I mean, I, I'm. I just like Gary speaking right now, I realize that I have like five so far that I really want to do. And only two of those were women of color. And I mean, that's pretty good for five. But I hope that I, as I. You no, know, keep go, as the f- month of February keeps going on, like I'm gonna be really uh, uh conscious of like including a, a lot of artists of color and um, particularly uh, uh women of color. So I'm excited, yeah. So, yeah, definitely start that on Friday, guys. Shit, so. Hashtag MWE. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, we'll be all tweet about it from, from the podcast account, and then we will both tweet about it from our personal accounts as well. So, uh, to me, get things moving a little bit forward here, um. We're going to do something incredib- incredibly reductive and uh, kind of contradicting everything that we've talked about today. Um, Perfect. In, in our in in, in classic eight oh eights and bars fashion, um, <laughs> we are going to do a little pick 'em session based on some polls that Jason ran earlier this week on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I, I like. I like to do polls. I don't know why. I just like to shake things up and just to yeah. It's a, I like to get a conversation going. And so last week I did um, Danny Brown or Freddie Gibbs. Freddie wow. Gibbs won fifty five percent of the vote. Danny had forty five percent of the vote. If you can do math, um, I was surprised too. Freddie's got stands. I thought Danny though. was going to win, but um, we True. have. So does Danny though. Um. So uh, I I guess Freddie has more stands. I think probably, but
0: so I we're gonna oh, ask Freddie. Gary,
2: uh, uh, Where are you on, Jason.
0: Okay. You know, w- at one okay. point Jason called. Oh, Freddie! Danny I picked Brown. Freddie. Too. I believe um, he said he's one of music's best kept secrets, or well well known secrets, or something along that line. I remember that.
2: Well, it's probably it's 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 partly his fault though. One of my things, like oh well, I shouldn't say that because. I, I i look drop the album when you want to drop the album my thing is like he turns get out a lot Freddie yeah. every single year and it's always good right yeah Fendi and it's always great. good i mean he had the mixtape which was good and he had yeah and he had fetty which was really good so um yeah and and, and for to be considered like a, I think what people consider it to be like best rapper alive sometimes they do best rapper living right but no, it's best rapper at best rapper alive to me means best rapper For at sure. this moment. So you got to be like really making music to be considered to be considered one of the best rappers alive. It's
0: I not mean, like Gary doesn't. I, even and like I'm not just saying, saying
2: that because though. Danny
1: Brown dunked on <laughs> me once really hard. on Tristan. Wait, wait, wait! You uh, need to
0: tell this story.
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
0: i I think I. Oh, said I, didn't know I think it was one. around Atrocity Exhibition,
1: which I wasn't impressed by. Which I thought was a pretty underwhelming record. And I, I was, didn't like that one. Though. I was kind of. I was kind of nagging on it and he did a quote tweet and he was just like, whose man's is this? And it was just like, <laughs> it just like flooded my mentions. It was, it was absolutely, it was a perfect burn. <laughs> and I, you know, when you do what I do and you spend as much time on Twitter as I do and you say your honest opinions about this music, particularly hip hop, you enti- you completely opened yourself up to getting dunked on real hard. So it happened. Uh, but I have never been a big, Danny brown fan i feel like there was a lot of gimmickry around his uh, earlier stuff uh he was doing it at he was doing his thing you know at a time when like everybody was marveling at the idea that a rapper could have a high-pitched voice you know like you know i couldn't tell in the in the early days of young thug whether he was actually any good or if he was just really really screechy i now know he's great yes, but, fantastic. but it's t- also i think that they it was a bit of a cart before the horse situation where people just started you know championing him before uh before he really found his groove and started making you know truly you know solid entries but yeah, he was making but that was the case with, with danny brown versus freddie gibbs who i mean freddie gibbs if you come from where i come from in terms of your history with hip-hop is like freddie gibbs is uh, a lyricist you know, period. And if you care about lyricism, uh then he's somebody who's worth listening to. And when he and when he did and where it really solidified for me with Freddie was when yeah. he did the Pinata record was Mad Lib. And that perfect union of his, you know, gruff voiced lyricism over Mad Lib's just some of the best Mad Lib beats of Mad Lib's career. It was just like there was just no question there. I'm like we've got We've got an amazing artist in uh, in a fan- in peak form, and so yeah, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed pretty much everything he's done since then.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, I mean, like Pinata's one of the best um, like collaborations albums of this decade, and real the Jeezy this <laughs> oh, I haven't listened to Jeezy it, since. It's <laughs> brutal, brutal. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's. It's it, it's so good. I it's thought we were so past brutal. that. It's so good. To someone yeah, so and good. and no, no, no. But legitimately though, legit, no, no, no. Legitimately though, like Freddie killed him, and like, like story of Adidon is cool. Like, um, uh, there, uh, what's uh? There's another, there's another one in second that's like pretty cool. Um, Gucci to Jeezy is also like very shocking, but like real is one of those diss tracks that's. A really great song. It and was, it's yeah. Super like. It was my favorite to, as well. Beats, and, the beats amazing. It's, yeah. It was my favorite. And the beats, this, the beats, since yeah, either. the beats. It absolutely. Was. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Legitimately. Yeah. 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 You can definitely say that. And yeah. 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 For sure. It's. It's. It's really. It's. It's. It's really good. I would probably put Checkmate by Jadakiss before it would. The that's my favorite disc check made by Jadakus. But well, yeah. I'm gonna
1: say yeah. that you now have three the songs. real discs. You it's, should it's, go it's out surprising. there and pitch a listicle to one of these websites of you know the you know 20 best diss tracks of all time. And just there you go. I, I just made you a hundred dollars. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> there you go. My man, <laughs> my man. Um, okay, so um, okay, so, um what's yeah, so I did another one a couple of days ago. I I did it. Um Cameron versus Pusher T. Cameron won with fifty-three percent cl- of the vote. Pusher with forty-seven percent of the vote. That was yeah, it was it was close. Actually it was close. I'm not surprised. It, I'm not surprised, surprised Cameron won. Yeah, I, mean, I'm not I, think, surprised. I
0: think I think we forget how, how not only how culturally like huge Cameron was for a minute, but also he's got stands, man. People love dipset.
2: People love, yeah. People love. Listen, myself included. Like, I'm from Harlem. I mean, like, I, I, you know, used to listen to Cameron all the time. I think Purple Haze is a classic. It's for as long. It's very long, and there are some tracks that miss. But it's everyone, and and his influence is, is 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 I mean, you can hear him in Wayne. You can hear him in Two Chainz a little bit, and you can hear him in and Gucci a little bit, and so. Like, I understand why someone would pick Cameron, and I pick Cameron myself, because, mostly because of the influence part and mostly because of, I think, he is one of the more charismatic and humorous rappers we've seen. I do think that Push as, is a little bit more of a more of a precise artist. Though. So who, who so I would go understand go with? Why someone I mean, push I go push. with Pusha T. And
1: I think that probably if I'm going to play, you know, Cable TV pundit for a sec. I think probably the reason why he didn't win this uh, uh, this particular poll was was twofold. One, it's the fact that there's this backlash that exists against him for daring to uh, to diss Drake so savagely. Uh, <laughs> so that's one. And then the other is there is a sort of performative <laughs> fandom that's you know it's kind of coalesced uh, particularly online
0: around Cameron nowadays. Um, I tend to agree with that. By the way, that he I I. I, I agree know, with
1: the, the, this, this 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 pink shit that goes you know, around or whatever. But the the truth is is that Cameron is amazing. He's he's amazing. Come home with me was uh, a, a fantastic records What he did with diplomats was untouchable in a lot of ways. I think that that movement doesn't get it doesn't get enough doesn't even get enough credit for what it did. I think it got Dipl- it gets cloudy yeah. sometimes when we talk Diplom- about G Unit. I- you know, but like what they what their contributions what, what the diplomats yeah, what yeah. Dipset's contributions to uh, to hip hop were are, are fantastic or excellent records. And I think that, you know it's I think that the fact that it was this close is is is, is great and, and in, in all in all seriousness is, is reflective of that. I think that he is he is, uh, uh, he is underrated. Uh, I think because he is in some ways because because he has not been as active yeah he is an underrated MC
0: he yeah.
2: ought to be yep and he uh... his he, yeah I mean his career post Purple Haze I will say like killer season just had a, a, so many missteps and and I I understand the like he had he has not his yeah, I mean, his as a, as the years have gone on, his music has suffered, but like his prime is really damn good, and, and he didn't, he was not Jimmy and Jewels, For as much as I like them, <laughs> they're mm. not malice, or or you know, what I mean, they're, they're yeah, they're not they're not malice, and they're not working with Chad and Pharrell, right? Although he production did, although was, like the Diplomats, yeah, the Dib-Mets, um the Dib-Met, the first Diplomat album, yes. yeah, yeah, I mean they were yes. the Rockefeller production team was good, so I can't be like, yeah, I can't be like they weren't having, they didn't have because like just Blaze were making some of their records, so was and so was like early Kanye, and like they, I think they may have had a, a big record too, maybe, but um, still the chemistry that um, Clips had with the Neptunes was so daring and so special so avant-garde that like. It's kind of just like, it's just not the same almost. And I, I think, I wonder, uh, Cameron's career with uh, better people. He's, around he's admitted maybe it, that's They used it on the Brockhampton
0: so. album. <laughs> you know that, what I
2: mean? But they I had I...
0: that uh, clip where they talked about basically how the record label fucked him over in the in his early days, and then you know that he didn't have the right people around him, and it kind of it kind of derailed his career a little bit.
1: I mean, not to make this the Rockefeller podcast, but, uh, you know, a lot of those artists who were hugely talented either made some bad decisions or otherwise weren't given the opportunities. And now we're in a position where it's just like they're not getting talked about the way they should. You know, Cameron is is, is fortunate enough to, to have people still talking about him and, and respecting what he what he did. Um, but, like, I think about, you know, Freeway and I think about Beans, you know, and I think about those guys who really, by all rights, should be doing so much more right now. Like, when I get it. That's an amazing. Philadelphia album. It's, Freeway it's a, is a very the, good album. It is. It is one of my favorite. Yeah, albums. it's really good. And I think about that. Like, i, I, I and Freeway still doing his own. Yeah. He is. He's still active. He's still making a lot of records. And I respect him for for, for doing that. I wish people were paying more attention to what he was doing. And then Beans, to be very honest, like every time there's, whenever a Beanie Seagull feature crops up on some album somewhere, I'm always excited to hear it because I think that he's somebody who deserves as much shine uh, as possible. Now the problem is, is that he's not going to get it, and he's had to deal with some shit, you know, and he doesn't fit with the image of what people, you know, what this industry looks for right now. But my God. I think if you put someone like Beanie Siegel right now with some really great producers, he would make he could make a
2: classic. He could make a classic. Yeah, I mean he is one of the more compelling rappers to come out yeah. in my opinion. Sure. You know it's um, funny you, in you the say past that to Gary years. about
0: the whole Rockefeller like, thing. I'm sorry. It, the... reason, but uh, I feel like we bring up Rockefeller every other episode, so don't don't feel like we haven't fucking brought them up before. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 I mean, but it's it's they had a like, they had a they had a roster, you know what I mean, and they should have made more as good as like as much of a wave as they are as as important they are to a lot of people. They should have made more out of it, and honestly, like I'm gonna criticize, you know, my all time favorite rapper here. Like it's probably Jay. Kind of comes full circle to what what we were talking about
0: earlier. Yeah, with the whole Jay Cole and Dreamville thing, but uh before yeah, we wrap yeah. things up here, I do want to say one thing about Cam'ron. Yeah. I think that Cam'ron actually prior to the whole Dipset phase, prior to Purple Haze, all that stuff, uh, back when he was, even when he was like a teenager rapping with Big L and Mace and Children of the Corn, he had, he before he became, he had his own voice and like lane and style, he was a technically skilled rapper, a lyrical rapper. He's kind of done it all. Like, I
2: Oh, yeah. Cam, listen, Cam,
0: yeah, he was yeah. Incredibly no, I can, And I don't Cam think Cam is a lot really of good rapper. Even know about like, those children the porn records. They were essentially all ciphers and like freestyles and shit. So, like, it's not like shit that you would like listen to a ton. But I remember when I was younger listening to those records and being like, this guy has a side to him that the general public doesn't even know that was also very good. And I think it kind of helped him get to the point where he could uh, get. But.
2: This is a song on Purple Haze, but on Get Down, he goes, Fuck the rat, fuck the movies, fuck Skiskel and Ebert, the pistol, I squeeze it, missiles of Hitler. He I he mean, that's that,
0: absolutely. Like 808's 808's the motherfucker had, had bars. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, also, one last thing. Um, Cameron like, has a song called IBS, which is about his irritable bowel syndrome. And as someone who has irritable bowel syndrome, I just want to thank Cameron yeah i do i want to thank Cameron really? for uh putting on the irritable bowel community and you know shining a light on it and it's a really funny because uh,
1: this took just... a turn
0: <laughs> well the course is just i got ibs i'm shitting on it so it's like amazing I mean, amazing amazing camera <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. classic right, well, that's
2: just classic dark words. humor by Cameron. so
0: i'm gonna run it wrap it up gary thank you so much for coming on we had a fantastic conversation really appreciate well, thanks for having me yeah of course man uh and uh so i'll link uh gary's twitter in the bottom definitely check out some of his writing and uh yeah so if you're still listening thanks so much Hashtag M-W-E.
2: and MWE. Remember, right N- X, NWE, days. music writer exercise. Peace.